I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. C-13 Originals. So let's go back to when I first met them. I was 20 years old, working at the Fountain Blue Hotel, um, working my way through college. This is John Carlo Granda. He's speaking about the time in March of 2012 when he was working at one of South Beach's most luxurious hotels. Granda was a pool attendant. I'm talking to some guests and I, I noticed this woman behind me staring at me and she was noticeably drunk. Granda says the woman, who he described as a hot cougar, was snapping pictures of him while he worked. And so they began to speak. She was just flirting with me. And then we start flirting back and forth. And then towards the end of my work shift, she's like, hey, would you want to go back to my hotel room? And as a single 20-year-old, I'm like, yeah, of course. And she's like, but my husband wants to watch. And immediately I thought it was a, a bit strange and I backed off. And she's like, oh no, but he's not going to do anything. He's just going to sit in the corner and he just, he just wants to watch and it's his thing. After my work shift, they called me through a blocked number to schedule where to meet. And we met at another hotel. Uh, and I walk into the lobby and, you know, Becky's sitting there waiting for me. And then she offered me whiskey to relax, to calm my nerves. We talked for a bit, I relaxed, and then we went upstairs. And Jerry was laying on the bed. He was laying on the bed, he was drunk, and he was giggling. And I'm kind of weirded out at this moment. And I said, hey, if at any point you get jealous or you want me to back off, just uh, let me know and I'll walk out of here. He's like, no, no, just, just go for it. And he enjoyed watching uh, me and Becky have sex. He would just sit in the corner and, uh, and yeah, he was just um, enjoying watching us. From C-13 Originals, a Cadence 13 studio, I'm Andrew Jenks, and this is Gangster Capitalism, Season 3, Jerry Falwell Jr. and Liberty University. One of the most influential figures in the Christian conservative movement mired in an alleged sex scandal. Falwell says his wife had a fatal attraction type situation with an ambitious young man who was working A young man a saying that is not the real story. Carlo Granda calls Falwell a predator, saying he engaged in sexual liaisons with Falwell's wife while Falwell walked. institution founded by Falwell's father that preaches family values and morals may soon be looking for another president. 
When Aram Rostin of Reuters broke the Granda Falwell story on August 24, 2020, it was huge news. The hypocrisy was astonishing. The most powerful of evangelical power couples who preached sexual austerity had strayed far from their own rules. The Liberty Way, the school's strict moral code, prohibits, quote, sexual relations outside of a biblically ordained marriage between a natural-born man and a natural-born woman. Here, the president of that university, the person who enforced those rules, was allegedly sitting in a room watching his wife have sex with another man. Falwell Jr. maintains that although his wife did have an affair with Granda, he neither took part in their relationship nor had any knowledge of it while it was going on. He told the Washington Post, quote, I just ordered quesadillas from him at the pool. That's about it. Back to Granda speaking to the media after he went public with his story. Then the next day, they called me through a blocked number again. And they said, hey, you know, come back. And I'm like, all right, I, I went back. And then after that, then we exchanged numbers. And they told me, hey, we like to help young people. And we encourage you to finish school because at the time I was, I was working full-time and going to school part-time, just kind of working my way through college. And he encouraged me to finish school. Like the, He emphasized the importance of it. And again, he, he said that he helps a lot of young people and that we should stay in contact. And then shortly after, Becky is constantly uh, pursuing me. I mean, she was the one that was really pursuing, um, sending me songs sentimental songs that mean a lot to her, and then she would call it our song, and this went on. Shortly after, we had a weekend getaway at Chica Resort in the Florida Keys. And this trip, the nature of the relationship uh, continued there. And, you know, I mentioned to them that when I was younger, when I was in high school, I suffered with uh, video game addiction. At the time, I was timid, but nervous, and I believe, now in hindsight, that they spotted these weaknesses and made me an ideal target. I shared this passion project of mine where it's a, it's a company that would connect uh, video gamers suffering with video game addiction and families with health coaches. And he's like, oh, I think that's an excellent idea. Actually, you could probably partner up with Liberty. You should uh, come to New York with us. We're having a business trip and we could talk more about it. So Granda went to New York City with Jerry and Becky. According to Talking Points Memo, he says the three of them stayed at the Gansevoort Hotel and had dinner at STK Steakhouse, where they shared a decadent dessert called Carnival Menage a Trois, and they discussed business. He said, look, I really like your idea, but before you can ever help anyone, you need to make a lot of money yourself. This is Jerry saying, he's like, I have a background in real estate. Pick a property in Miami. Pick a handful of properties, we'll get the best one, and you'll get a 25% ownership stake in it. Jerry promised they'd share a champagne toast when Granda made his first million dollars. As Granda began his search for a real estate property, he continued his relationship with Jerry and Becky Falwell. Talking Points Memo reports that in one very graphic 2012 text, Becky wrote to him, quote, I was watching some video clips on my phone. Wow, these are two people that are very passionate at lovemaking. But seeing you in person, and looking at you in the eyes makes me want to rip your clothes off and get the shit fucked out of me. Granda says that's when he realized that Jerry had been filming them. 
In response to the question of who filmed the clips that Becky referenced in her text message to Granda, Becky told us, quote, if I did send that text, it was done as a joke and no videos were ever created. In mid-September of 2012, Granda flew up to Lynchburg and met Donald Trump, who'd just given a speech to the Liberty student body, advising them to always get a prenup. Granda sat in the front row, next to the Falwell children. Jerry and Becky introduced Granda to the future president as our friend from the Fontainebleau. Granda was in unfamiliar surroundings and rubbing elbows with a powerful circle. But he'd put enough trust in the Falwells to invite his parents to meet them over dinner in Miami Beach. Afterwards, Granda's mother said to him, Oh my God, they're so nice. They're so charming. And Granda said, You see, they just want to help me out. calling all pop culture enthusiasts. Are you obsessed with all things celebrity? Do you live for the drama, the laughs, and the unexpected moments that unfold on social media? Then you're going to want to tune in to the Comments by Celebs podcast. Join us three times a week as we deep dive into every aspect of pop culture. Whether it's dissecting the latest trends or just chatting about your favorite celebs, Comments by Celebs has you covered. We have new episodes out every week. Follow and listen to Comments by Celebs on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Amy Poehler, here to tell you about a new improvised show from Paper Kite Podcasts, the team that brought you Say More with Dr. Sheila. Check out our new parody podcast, Women Talking About Murder. It's a show about women talking about murder. Every episode features special guests, twists, turns, and the mystery of a missing co-host. Available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. This is audio from a YouTube video titled Partying at Miami Hostel, Alton Road, December 19th, 2013. In it, young men and women are smoking, drinking, and playing beer pong together. One man breakdances, and another spills his drink on the floor. Another man opens up his shirt and simulates having sex with the wall, with the crack of his butt exposed. He receives high fives from two other men before cheering them on to drink more. A Politico article from 2017 calls this hostel a cesspool of vice. The writer of the article, a former Liberty student named Brandon Ambrosino, describes the hostel as gay-friendly and having a stench of general decay and cigarette smoke. A wall display, Ambrosino wrote, held cards advertising local attractions, including adult dancing with full nudity. A liquor store is attached to the hostel. The article notes that at the time, a sign out front read, no soliciting, fundraising, politics, salesmen, or religion. The title of Ambrosino's article is, My Weekend at the Falwell's South Beach Flophouse. This is the business the Falwells, the faces of evangelical Christianity, bought 
and gave a 24.9% stake to Giancarlo Granda. But there was another party involved too, another young man named Gordon Bello. And Bello, in a lawsuit filed against Falwell Jr., says it was he who brought the hostile idea to Granda and Falwell, and then was cut out of the deal. Other than what is stated in his affidavit, in which Bello says he had a, quote, personal relationship with Becky Falwell, he has never discussed his role in the story publicly. But in October of 2019, almost a year before the sex scandal broke, Bello made a phone call to someone who, months earlier, had made news for recording his conversation with Michael Cohen, Tom Arnold. The recording you're about to hear was given to gangster capitalism by Arnold. How did you meet him? How did you guys meet? Did G. Carlo meet? How did you come across people like this? So Giancarlo was a, uh, he worked at, as a pool boy at the fountain, pool attendant. Oh, God, pool attendant, you're right. What year was that? That was, man, I got to say 2012, yeah. 2011, 2012. I, I worked at a hostel, okay? Mm-hmm. And I was work, uh, finishing working at a hostel, going into a law firm around that time. Bella's court filings say that he was a former best friend of Giancarlo Granda. And here, he describes when Granda first told him about the Falwells. He tells me, he's like, yeah, I met this couple and, you know, they're, they're paying me. So he's telling me about they're flying them here, they're flying them there, and, they're, you know, they want to operate a business. And he's got this internet idea and this and that. Apparently the internet idea was nothing. They couldn't do it. And he comes to me, like, in some desperation, and he's like, hey, he's like, I want you to meet the wife. I want you to get involved. I want you to pitch something. He's like, do you know of anything? I'm like, yeah, I know exactly what to do. Let's do the hostel. Let's pitch them this. I'll get my dad involved. You'll find a real estate component. And we'll make sure that we don't get fucked because my dad is good in business. And, you know, we'll, that's how we're going to make this happen. I've always been somebody that I know where my faults are. And if I'm a 20-year-old, I'm not going to think that I have the experience to close a deal with a 45-year-old that he's telling me owns the university and is worth all his money. Bello says his girlfriend at the time managed a hostel in South Beach, and he worked the front desk, so he was familiar with the business. And he says he convinced Granda to pitch the hostel idea to Jerry Falwell Jr. Here, Gordon Bello describes the night Granda introduced him to Becky Falwell at Monty's restaurant in South Beach. So, the way he introduces me to Becky... We're hanging out, whatever. We go to Monty's on the beach, whatever. There's that. You know, we start to drink. And then he leaves and goes to see Jerry. I stay with Becky at night. We hang out, whatever. You know, things happen. And and that's how that went on. In case you missed that, Bello says that he spent the night with Becky and that things happened. Maybe this is what he meant in his affidavit when he said he had a personal relationship with Becky Falwell. In response to the question of what he meant by personal relationship, Becky Falwell told us that she never even met Bello. Like what kind of things? Like regular things? I don't mind telling you. I just don't want to tell you right now. I want to wait for the settlement and all this stuff. No, I don't have to. I can just, it's just, it's fine. No, I was, you know, know, I was a young man once. Oh my God. hot back then. He had the fake kiss with So you and Becky had a thing. Right, I had something with Becky. 
the other thing you have to understand also at the time, my dad had a lot of financial hardship after the market crash, all of this. I went from having everything I could ever have to not even having money to pay a cell phone bill. So I was trying to do whatever I could to get my family out of that situation. Right. Okay, so when that opportunity presented itself, I went all at it. Yeah, of course. Bello says that as he had also begun a relationship with Becky Falwell, Giancarlo Granda had set up a meeting for them to pitch the hostel idea to Jerry Falwell. So Bello brought his father, a former real estate agent, along to lend his expertise. He says nobody knew about he and Becky during that time. Yeah, I meet Jerry at the Lowe's with my father. Okay, because at that point, I didn't tell my dad what was going on fully, but I just told him, hey, you know, Giancarlo has these people, this, that, and the third. At that point, that was awkward for me, that meeting, to an extent, because I didn't know if Jerry knew. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, I didn't know, because I I didn't know him, and I only knew her. The only one that knew him was Giancarlo. But you know what? Super nice guy. (laughs) Was promising to give us the world. And it was a weird situation for me, but there was money attached to it. So I I played it through for a little while. Bello says that at that meeting at the Lowe's Hotel, Falwell promised him an equal share in the business that he'd promised Granda. And then what happened was Jerry started messing around. He didn't really have intentions of closing this deal. I think when my father got involved, it kind of gave him some cold feet. Yeah. It made Jerry uncomfortable. And the reason I got cut out was because I was involved in a situation with the Fowell family that they knew of, and, and they knew that I was I was a loose end. And I think ultimately saying, hey, I'm not messing with the wife. I'm not doing this shit anymore. Pay my money. I want to move on with my fucking life. Plus, my dad forcing in the deal and doing certain things was a lot of what got me cut out. Bello was upset that Falwell didn't give him a piece of the hostile business, a piece he says he was promised. You may remember from last episode that Donald Trump's former personal attorney, Michael Cohen, said in his book that it was the pool boy who'd filed a lawsuit against Jerry Falwell Jr. Here again is that audio. Jerry didn't fill me in on all the details, only that a deal was never consummated and the relationship ended with hard feelings. The kid had filed a lawsuit. He said that the pool boy had photos that he was using to extort the Falwells. Again, that audio from episode one. Jerry said that the terrible thing was that the pool boy was now threatening to shop the photographs to publications as a way to pressure the Falwells to settle the lawsuit on favorable terms. Cohen wrote that he, quote, went for the jugular with the pool boy's attorney, and he took care of the situation. And remember what Cohen himself said to Tom Arnold in their phone call. There's a bunch of photographs you know, personal photographs that somehow the, the the guy ended up getting. Oh. Whether it was off of Jerry's phone or somehow maybe it got airdropped or whatever the hell the whole thing was. And I actually have one of the photos and it's terrible. But here's the thing. John Carlo Granda never sued Jerry Falwell Jr., Gordon Bello did. 
If we give Cohen the benefit of the doubt, maybe he was simply confused as to which person the pool boy was, Granda or Bello. Or maybe spreading the story that it was Granda who was trying to extort Falwell seemed to be the better play at the time, in case Granda ever decided to go public. Cohen did later admit to CNN that it was Bello and his attorney who he'd negotiated with regarding the photos. Now we'll go back to the Gordon Bello Tom Arnold phone call. Yeah, uh, you know, Michael Cohen has pictures that he shared with me, <laughs> that Jerry shared with him. There's groups of these pictures, and Jerry took these pictures, or Jerry's involved with, you know, disseminating these pictures. I don't know if he airdrops them to people. That's what Michael Cohen told told me, and I there's a tape of me and Michael Cohen talking that I gave to that's been in public. You can see it. I've heard the tape, and, and honestly, the tape to me was was concerning. And the reason it was concerning to me was because I have some stuff, and the stuff that I have was stuff that I took with Becky and stuff along those lines. And and I know Giancarlo has stuff, and it all exists. But I had all those photos. I had all that stuff. Okay, let's put this together then. You know, uh, after I made that tape, I went and saw Michael in person and got pictures. And by the way, they have pictures. They have a lot of of other people, other situations like this that Trump, you know, like, I don't even want to, you know, if you can imagine other people's wives and girlfriends just over the years and this is not unusual. Arnold and Bello discuss what Michael Cohen must have meant when he said he went for the jugular. And Michael Cohen's not a, a badass. He might pretend to be, but he's not. Hey, here's the thing with, with the attorney that I'll tell you. Look, I myself am an attorney. My father is a business person, and I have been raised to not let my emotions get involved with attorneys. And the reason is because... If they're dicks, they're being dicks because they're hired to be dicks. Yeah. The real dick there is the person behind you. The real dick here Oh, yeah, you're right. Jerry Fowler. You're right. Michael Cohen, listen, listen. Michael Cohen did all those nasty things and all that stuff. I understand it. Mm-hmm. But there was somebody out there that put that paid. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that's like, it, it, it's no different than, than these mob stories where, you know, you have a mob boss that's pulling all the strings. Yeah, he may not be the one that goes and pulls the trigger. But does that make him not the one that's responsible? You no. Know? So that, 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 that's how, how I look at it, you know? Give me my money, pay me what you owe me, okay? And yeah. let me move on with my life. And the reason that I, I'm, I'm, I'm resentful towards Fowler is because he did not allow that to happen, and he fought it the entire way through. And I started to realize that a lot of the shit that he did down here was not kosher. Falwell Jr. claimed in court documents that because he wasn't officially listed on the paperwork for the hostel and therefore was not technically an owner, he had no power to cut Bellow into the deal. So any alleged promise to do so was moot. But documents clearly show that Jerry Jr. and his business partner handled the deal every step of the way. Then, in January of 2013, after protracted negotiations, Jerry Jr.'s name was crossed out on the contract under the line listed for buyer. In his place, Becky Falwell's name. 
On February 1st, an email shows that Jerry and the seller had an agreement. Then, six days later, a new LLC was formed to buy the property. And it listed Jerry and Becky's son, Jerry Falwell III, also known as Trey Falwell, as the manager of the LLC, distancing Jerry and Becky from the arrangement. In 2017, after Bellow's lawsuit had become public, Liberty released a statement saying, quote, The fact is that Trey and his business partner, John Carlo Granda, identified a distressed property in Miami Beach, which they purchased with bank financing at a very opportune time. So he needs some sort of plausible deniability to show like, hey, my son was here, he was meeting people, doing this, that, and the third. Full lie, okay? His son never met Giancarlo until after, okay? Right around the time that the deal was fully closing. He was not part of the process, he never saw the property, I've never even met Trey Powell. And then they say that Trey was the one that met Giancarlo and they found the deal together. No, that's not true, it's a full-blown lie that never happened. I don't know who Trey is, I've never even met him. He showed up at the end and strategically in photos everywhere with Giancarlo and like if they met and they did this, and it was a full-blown lie. It was just for him to say, hey, no, we had kids around, we were helping kids, and they were all Trey's friends, which was all bullshit. It wasn't, that wasn't the case. A public court proceeding probably wouldn't have been in Falwell's best interest, as Giancarlo Granda likely would have been called as a witness. Falwell ultimately settled the lawsuit with Bellow out of court for an undisclosed sum on November 15th of 2019. We've tried to reach Gordon Bellow repeatedly through voicemail and text, but received no response. But Bellow, who spoke with Tom Arnold just about a month prior to his case settling, thinks it had more to do with the nature of the business deal. The reason that the case settled, okay, in my opinion, the reason the case settled is because he cannot allow my case to get to the discovery phase because he has represented by affidavit that he provided a loan to the kids, to his son and to Giancarlo to purchase the property and that the bank financed, he, he put in a little bit of a loan, basically like a down payment and the bank financed the rest. That is a whole line. It was an all-cash deal, and about a month later, two weeks to a month later, he took out a mortgage in his son's name. Now, why is that important? It's important because if he's got money coming from different areas that aren't clean or that are coming from the wrong place, the best way to cash out of a deal like that is go purchase the property and put it in someone else's name, take out a loan off of that money, and cash out, and then just let the property grow in its, in its value. Falwell Jr. says in his affidavit that he and his wife laid out $1 million in cash for the property, and it's encumbered by a $3.8 million mortgage, which was signed for by their son, Trey Falwell, who was in his early 20s at the time. But documents attached to Bellow's affidavit prove that the entire $4.8 million property, as he says, was purchased with cash two weeks prior to securing the mortgage. Becky Falwell doesn't dispute this. As for where the money came from, she told us that a bank in Lynchburg that the Falwells have deep ties with loaned out the $3.8 million in unsecured cash for the purchase, 
until the mortgage documents could be prepared in Trey's name a couple weeks later. None of this is uncommon, but it does raise the question of why the president of one of the world's largest Christian universities would go so far out of his way to distance himself from the deal, a deal that put John Carlo Granda on the paperwork with a 24.9% ownership stake. I think that's how they groom you when you're young. They groom you, they bring you into their family, they make you feel special, they make you feel smart, part of this family, and that's what makes it so difficult to, to say the truth because you feel like you're, you're going to betray this family. That's their strategy. They befriend your family. They would actively try to befriend people around me. They disarm people with their charm. By May of 2014, John Carlo Granda had become close enough to the Falwell family that he was invited to Trey Falwell's wedding. He told Talking Points Memo that during the wedding, he was uncomfortable when Becky Falwell was feeling him up and trying to kiss him. He says Becky told him not to worry about it. Later that year, he got a phone call from Becky. I'll never forget it. Winter 2014, Becky called me and she's like, hey, that lawsuit in Florida, uh, you know, those guys that are suing us, don't worry about it. Michael Cohen's going to take care of it. I had no idea who he was. I didn't know him. I'm like, okay, all right, great. We don't have to worry about this. Because again, they were threatening to reveal the nature of this relationship. And I lived through hell that time. It was a nightmare. Granda says he lived in fear of his name being in the press and that Jerry told him they'd buy out his stake in the hostel for $1.1 million. But they needed him on their side for the lawsuit. He says that's when Jerry told him, don't forget about the videos. Granda says Jerry threatened to send the videos to Granda's girlfriend at the time. The lawsuit stopped and restarted. And four and a half years later, Jerry's promises to Granda to buy him out never materialized. Now in hindsight, as a 29-year-old man, I realized how methodical they were in targeting me. How, th- how methodical they were and then they trapped me. They promised me things and they trapped me into this business. He secretly recorded me. He was hanging it over my head. And, and he kept saying, look, just be a good soldier. And at some point, we're going to buy your equity stake and you can walk away. But in the meantime, he was getting what he wanted. Me having uh, sex with Becky while he watched every single time. So in the meantime, he was getting exactly what he wanted. And to me, that's predatory behavior. According to the Washington Post, a text message to Granda from Becky at this time read, I miss you so much, my heart hurts. And after a visit in 2017, Becky texted, I couldn't keep my eyes off of you. Granda also shared a screenshot of a FaceTime call with Reuters in which Becky Falwell was naked while Jerry Falwell Jr. looked on. When a BuzzFeed article in 2018 exposed the business relationship between Granda and Falwell, Jerry Jr. texted him, quote, We just need everyone to go silent and avoid creating a story where one does not exist. I felt like I was used over the years. I felt trapped in this relationship because I'm contractually tethered to this LLC. I was conditioned over the years to feel guilty. Every time I would either pull away from Becky or the business, 
I would get a phone call from either Becky crying or Jerry saying, hey, a certain someone misses you. You should reach out to her. It was just this pattern year after year after year. I felt like I, I had an obligation to make her happy to text her, even though I didn't want to. I just wanted to pull away. The following is audio of a 2018 phone conversation between Granda and the Falwells. Becky complains that Granda tells her when he hooks up with other women. And Jerry tells Granda, who he calls John, that he's going to make Becky jealous. His new thing is like telling me every time he hooks up with people, like, like I don't have feelings or something. You're going make her jealous, Yeah. Not trying to do that. Like a week ago, I was in tears for a whole freaking day. Come on. It's like, I hooked up with this girl on Tinder and then I got her an Uber and I'm like, just completely depressed. <laughs> we asked Jerry what he meant by, you're going to make her jealous, John. Becky responded to us that this recording happened, quote, years after Jerry had learned of the affair and forgiven me, to the point that he was joking about it. As stories about the pool boy, as Granda was now known, began to come out because of the Bellow lawsuit naming him, the Washington Post reported that Granda says he became so depressed that he texted Becky Falwell that he was suicidal. Stay off social media, Becky texted back. They're all left-wing nutjobs. That's from Jerry. Granda felt trapped, bound mentally and financially to the Falwells. Granda said he had two options, run away, or dominate it. So in June of 2020, he texted Jerry, quote, since you're okay with ruining my life, I'm going to take the kamikaze route. It really is a shame because I wanted to reach a peaceful resolution and just move on with our lives. But if conflict is what you want, then so be it. Jerry responded, you should by now understand that I will not be extorted. I have always treated you fairly and been restrained in response to your threats because I did not wish to ruin your life. Going forward, stop contacting me and my family. But just a month later, in an unrelated incident, Falwell Jr. found himself in hot water after posting a photo from his family vacation to Instagram. In the photo, taken aboard the mega yacht of a Liberty donor, Falwell Jr. has his pants unzipped with his belly hanging out, and he's got his arm around his wife's pregnant assistant, who has her shirt hiked up and shorts unzipped as well. Falwell Jr. is holding a drink in the photo, which he captioned, I promise that's just black water in my glass. The picture went against everything Liberty University stood for. Here's Falwell appearing on a radio show, sounding intoxicated, explaining. And I'm just going to throw it to you. What was up with that picture on Instagram? She's my wife's assistant, and she's a sweetheart. And I should never put it up and embarrass her because, um, anyway, I, I've apologized to everybody. And I promised my kids I'm going to try to be better. I'm going to try to be a good boy from here on out. The Liberty Board announced on August 6, 2020, that the university and Falwell Jr. 
had mutually agreed that it would be good for him to take an indefinite leave of absence. A little more than two weeks later, Falwell Jr., still on leave as President of Liberty, was contacted for a comment on the Granda story that was about to break. So, in an attempt to get ahead of the imminent scandal, he released a statement, a day before the story came out, that was printed in the Washington Examiner. It read in part, During a vacation over eight years ago, Becky and I met an ambitious young man who was working at our hotel and was saving up his money to go to school. Shortly thereafter, Becky had an inappropriate personal relationship with this person, something in which I was not involved. It was, nonetheless, very upsetting to learn about. After I learned this, I lost 80 pounds, and people who saw me regularly thought I was physically unwell, when in reality, I was just balancing how to be most supportive of Becky, who I love, while also reflecting and praying about whether there were ways I could have been more supportive of her and given her proper attention. I came to realize that while it may be easy to judge others on their behavior, the King James Bible reminds us, Thou shalt not commit adultery, but I saith unto you, that whoever looketh upon a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her in his heart. In fact, there are ways we may all be sinning, but the Lord believes in this self-reflection. Becky and I forgave each other, because while her indiscretion may have been more obvious and apparent, I realized that there were important, smaller things I needed to do better too. The next day, when the sex scandal broke in Reuters, Falwell resigned as president of Liberty University, telling the press, the quote that keeps running through my mind is Martin Luther King Jr. Free at last, free at last, thank God Almighty, I'm free at last. One former Liberty official summed it all up to us more bluntly, saying, quote, everybody knew about the pool boy. You want to live a crazy and perverse lifestyle, that's between you, your God, and your family. But you can't be recording some guy doinking your wife and be the president of a Christian university. This past April, Liberty sued Jerry Falwell Jr. for more than $10 million in damages, which could potentially balloon up to $40 million, claiming that Falwell withheld information about his relationship with Granda and his personal impairment by alcohol while negotiating a new contract for himself in 2019. As for Giancarlo Granda, he is still connected to the Falwells through the property. He still owns his 24.9% stake, and they can't take that away from him. Here's Tom Arnold. In my opinion, out of all this, Trump, Jerry Falwell Jr., all their people, and even Michael Cohen, the person that comes out of this, standing tall, all of this, is Giancarlo Grande. This kid, he's the hero to me. These guys, their lawyers, all these powerful people tried to crush him, and he could have went away in a heartbeat, just disappeared, and they keep trying to do it. And man, this kid, he's going to come out walking tall out of all of this. Let's bring in Giancarlo Grande right now. Thank you for joining us this morning. And let's begin with uh, their denial. They say that you had an affair with Mrs. Falwell, but, but that Jerry Falwell Jr. was not involved in any way. But you say from the start they were both involved? Uh, first off, thank you for having me on. 
um, and Jerry's line. That was his game plan from the beginning, to just throw her under the bus, um, which I, I think speaks a lot about who he is, about his character. Um, and he was aware from day one of our relationship, and he, he did, in fact, watch. When Granda began to appear on television, Falwell Jr. told the AP during a phone interview, quote, that's the only reason I resigned, because I don't want something my wife did to harm the school I've spent my whole life building. I never broke a single rule that applies to staff members at Liberty, which I was. So I want everybody to know that. This has gotten out of control. And there really needs to be an investigation into Liberty University because it's not just Jerry and backing the Falwell family. It's the board, all those people around him that looked the other way and protected him for years. I think it's absurd. I mean, that's tuition money, donations, federal money. There needs to be an investigation and hold them accountable. The story of Jerry Falwell Jr. and Liberty University is much bigger than Giancarlo Granda. He's just the tip of the iceberg. But over the course of the next six episodes, we will be doing just what Granda asks, investigating Jerry Falwell Jr. and Liberty University and holding them accountable. One former high-ranking official at Liberty told us, quote, I've waited for years for the storm to explode, and it hasn't yet. We had to wait till the man hung himself. Well, guess what? The storm is exploding. On the next episode of Gangster Capitalism, a history of covering up and ignoring sexual assault and harassment at Liberty. They say we have one of the safest campuses in America, but I wasn't safe. I wasn't safe anywhere at all. I did report many of these instances to my immediate supervisor. And to this day, I have never received a call or any concern. Nothing happened. And when I say nothing, I mean nothing. No one followed up with me. If you have any tips about Jerry Falwell Jr. or Liberty University, you can contact us at tips at gangstercapitalism.com or our tip line 347 674 6980. We can ensure anonymity. This has been a creation and presentation of C13 Originals, a Cadence 13 studio. Executive produced by Chris Corcoran, Zach Levitt, and myself. Written, produced, and directed by Zach Levitt. Produced by Perry Kroll and myself. Research and production support by Ian Mont. Editing by Perry Kroll and Bill Schultz. Mixed and mastered by Bill Schultz. Production coordination by Terrence Malingone. Studio coordination by Sean Cherry. Artwork and design by Kurt Courtney. Marketing by Brian Swarth, Josephina Francis, and Melissa Wester. And PR by Hilary Schuff. Original music by Joel Goodman. And our theme song, Your Sins Will Find You Out, is by Eli Paperboy Reed. I'm Bobby Finger. And I'm Lindsay Weber. Do you ever see a new face or name on your news feeds and say, who the heck is that? Our podcast, Who Weekly, is everything you need to know about the celebrities you don't. Think of us as your cheat code to People Magazine, your glossary for Hollywood, a shortcut to understanding pop culture at large.
For the past eight years, Who Weekly has been telling listeners everything they need to know about the celebrities they don't. The New Yorker says we spelunk deep into the demimonde with convivial delight. That's a direct quote. Mostly, we're going to explain to you Irish star Barry Keoghan's sudden rise to fame and relationship with a not-so-under-the-radar pop princess named Sabrina. The fake wedding Real Housewives star Cynthia Bailey had to promote a limo rental company. And why all the Gen Zers you know are talking about a guy named Benson Boone. Each episode goes deep into the biggest celebrity stories of the moment. And if you're still confused, we even have a weekly call-in episode where we answer the most burning celebrity queries. Who Weekly airs twice weekly with brand new episodes on Tuesdays and Fridays. Listen and follow Who Weekly, an Odyssey podcast, available now for free on the Odyssey app and wherever you get your podcasts.